Welcome back, everyone, to my podcast, Triggered by Lauren Drain. Today, I have a very special guest. Um, her name is Whitney Nunez. She's one of my very closest friends. I think we've been friends since 2018. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to introduce her on this show. She has a lot to her. But what's very interesting is she's one of the top dancers at Rhino here in Vegas for the last six years. So she has some insider juicy information on how it is to work in the club. Hi, Whitney. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, you know, Whitney and I have a few things in common. Um, you know, obviously, you guys know I came from a religious background. Whitney also, she's the youngest. I think she's the sixth youngest of, well, the youngest of six in a Mormon family. Mm-hmm. She grew up in Utah. Um, so she did grow up with a lot of strict religion type of family. And she ended up making her way out here to Vegas. So she has quite a story. You know, um, Whitney was very, you married very young, right? Mm-hmm. You married young. You ended up having kids pretty young. Yeah, but 18, oops, <clears throat> yeah. 18 and 21. Okay. So she, oh, wow. You were pregnant at 18 and then mm-hmm. 21. Okay. So, and she has two boys right now. Mm-hmm. How old are your boys now? They're turning 15 and 18. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Her boys are so poised and handsome and nice. She's done such a good job. Thank you. Yeah. So... Okay, so Whitney, you you were married, you had two boys, you were living in Utah, you know, you told me you didn't necessarily have a career, um, and something wild happened to you at a very young age. You were married to the love of your life. Um, I think he was a very successful businessman. You know, you had a good a, a good family, everything was going well, and then all of a sudden, tell us what happened in your relationship. You had, you know you married a man and, and I think you said that there's, there was a lot of addiction in his family. Mm-hmm. His brother was addicted. Mm-hmm. Was it to opioids or pain pills or? Yeah. His um, younger brother, they were only 21 months apart, ended up passing away of an overdose of mix of heroin and cocaine. His, his younger brother? Mm-hmm. And okay. he was only 18, 19 years old. And wow. um, was my it- mother-in-law found him at home in his bed. And wow. it was a very, hi, Sandy. Wow. It's a very, very sad situation. And because my husband and his brother were so close, my husband just couldn't deal with the loss. Yeah. And he felt a lot of guilt. You know, they maybe partied together in high school. Yeah. Why didn't it happen to my husband? Why did it happen to his little brother? Kind of things like that. And he just couldn't deal with it. And so um, over the course of my marriage with him, he was kind of a closet addict and, and so was that did was that after the passing or had he already had an addiction? He before? probably was already partying or yeah. doing things yeah. you know in college and with friends. Yeah. But then due to the heaviness of yeah. lo- losing his brother, right. um he just couldn't deal. And I don't think wow. I don't know, even 12 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, we had as many resources as we do today even with the internet or even scrolling on Instagram there's always positive quotes or something that we can kind of reach to that can help us in the day. And I just don't think that he was tapped into that back then and yeah. had that help. And, you know, we had sent him to rehabs and all sorts of things and nothing was working. And, um, you know, eventually the relationship got so toxic that we had to separate. And during that separation and becoming a single mother is when um, I had to make some decisions on career, life yeah. path. Yeah, and um, tried all sorts of different things, all different careers, from being a wedding coordinator to a surgical assistant. Um, oh, wow. I working, didn't know that. yeah, working in retail, doing buying for boutiques, 
Um, yeah. And then I put myself through hair school as a single mother. Okay. And yeah. I just never really felt like I fit in in Utah. Yeah. I was, I think I was kind of sexy from a young age. <laughs> you and I have that <laughs> and, in common. And I think that made people feel very uncomfortable. And I think people felt that if they associated themselves with me, that they were going to be perceived that way as well. And okay. so I was judged a lot in the Mor- in the Mormon culture. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, yeah. So, so you were dealing with, literally, you're dealing with addiction with your husband. You had to leave him because he was... You were ruining your marriage. He wasn't being a father. He was running through your money. Um, Stealing everything. Yeah. And obviously he's drowning in his pain and and, and resorting to an addiction that was drowning your family. But you didn't have a career. You didn't have a way to support your boys. Now Mm -hmm. he's tapping. Because in the Mormon religion, the the husband's supposed to kind of be the provider. And I know it's changed, you know, nowadays. But back in the day, that's kind of how it was. Yeah. Where the mom has the kids and stays home and she's a homemaker. And, um, so you kind of were forced into a, in a career decision pretty quickly. And, and so how did that go about? How were you, you know, did, did anyone bring you into it? Like, how did you fall into this? Yeah. How did that? So I separated from Jer and started coming out to Vegas for girls trips. Okay. And those are fun. (laughs) Those are awesome. Yeah. So, okay. We started going to... Sorry, the microphone needs to hit more. It's mine, okay. not yours. You're okay. good. Wait, right. you're good. So I started going to nightclubs with the girls, and soon I was invited up on stage, like, hey, come up here with whether it's Stevie Aoki, the Chainsmokers, whoever, right? Yeah. And so I started getting to know people in the industry, and there were a couple of pretty girls at XS Nightclub that were like, hey, come here. XS is one of the be- best clubs in Vegas, yeah. if you guys don't know, at the Wynn. Yeah, so at the Wynn. The- one of the nicest casinos in Vegas. But yeah, so at yeah. Excess, you met some girls. Mm-hmm. And they're like, come over here. You're so pretty. <laughs> and um, they just ended up telling me that they were dancers out here. And okay. I was, you know, struggling. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to file this back in my brain. And maybe one day I'll do this. Okay. So went went back to Utah. My landlord's call. Hey, we're selling the house. Oh, wow. Um, they ended up getting a cash offer really quick. You okay. got to get out. Yeah. Um, back because you were defaulting on your payments and stuff. No, no, no. They were just selling their investment property. Oh, okay. And I was living there, but it wasn't something I wanted to buy. Okay. So, um, I'm looking at a move. I'm looking at now transferring my kids to different schools. Yeah. It's back to school. I need to get them back to school clothes. Um, there's all these stresses and worries that are starting to pile on. And I'm like, how am I going to pay for this? Single mother, two boys. Right. Okay. Wasn't getting any child support or help from Jer. Wow. Where so, is he in all the this mess? He's just running over around the country you know, partying or? He disappeared okay. for three years. What the hell? Mm-hmm. So you don't know exactly His where he family, was. no one knew where he was. The only updates we'd get is if he got arrested and went to jail. So, oh. but then we'd see it was like drug charges, okay. right? Yeah. So that's really the only way we knew he was even alive. Wow. Really. What did your boys think about this process? Were they were they saying anything? Or were you just trying to protect them from it? Yeah. I mean, it's all just protection and me being the solid parent yeah. where they can always fall back on me. Right. Is really what it was. Right. So um, I call my mom. I say, I'm going to... I'm going to audition to be a dancer. I know you might not like this, but I'm going to I'm going to do it. Every mom's dream. Hey, yeah. mom, I'm going to dance in Vegas. Yeah. And at this point I had 
$350 to my name. Wow. I didn't have money for a hotel room and I was willing to sleep in my car. And so I hit up these girls on Instagram that had kind of like weighed me down on that Vegas trip. Yeah. And I was like, what do I do? Yeah. What do I wear? What? Yeah. Show I've, me the ropes. I've never even really been in a strip club before. Yeah. I don't know what I'm up against. I don't wow. know what the other women look like. No, nothing. Right? Okay. So they're like, okay, just, you know, go to a lingerie store, buy a top and a bottom and some heels. That's all you need. And I'm like, I don't know any pull tricks. I don't know what to do. And they're like, you, don't, you don't need to know any pull tricks. So... I drive there. Okay. And my radio's broken. I have like tape holding my bumper on. Oh <laughs> my God. You're a hot terrible, mess. Hot mess. Terrible Express. situation. Yeah. And I hot, pull up and all I do these... that still to this day. <laughs> hot mess express this morning, actually. So. Yeah. <laughs> so these girls are pulling up in Mercedes and BMWs, right? Okay, girl. And I have a Honda Element. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, these are girls are about to show me what's up. Yeah. I mean, I had all the great things when I was married, but I had to sell everything off as a single mom yeah. to like provide, right? Yeah. So I end up auditioning, and luckily, my boss, who's the greatest boss in the world, really, um, yes, all yes. What makes amazing. him good? Is he a protector? Is he yeah. kind? Yeah, and he has very high standards. So he watches us on social media and he wants to know, like, who are we dating? How are we spending time with our kids or our family? Who are we hanging out with? What are we eating? Like, what are you eating? Yeah, because we need to stay in shape, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if he sees that we're living a great life, we get treated even better at work, right? Because we're worth helping. We're worth having us make more money. If someone, you know, another girl's doing drugs, maybe she's you know, escorting, getting into some mess. Yeah. Why does he want to help and enable that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the better we are in life. Okay. The The better better it represents the club, it represents the business. So, okay, let's get into your first day on the job. Because, like, you're walking in, like, this has got to be – a huge change like and we want to know like what is it to be a dancer what what does it require what are the rules how does this operate I mean I think people have a very misconceived notion of what goes down well I didn't know but here it goes okay here we go so I pull up to dancer valet and walk in and my boss was very pleased with my body and he's like where did you come from I was like Utah and Utah they make them good out there and yeah every time I say I'm from Utah out here in Vegas people are like oh <laughs> and then I just changed the subject because there's nothing great going calling on. all girls in Utah come out to Vegas <laughs> yeah. we're ready for you yeah and I think you know when you meet these successful well-traveled men and they're going to Greece and you know Italy and wherever and you say I'm from Utah they're just like oh Okay, that's cute. That's really sweet. Yeah, I so, don't know people live there. I always say, I escaped. <laughs> oh, I, we've escaped. I escaped Kansas. Nobody likes Kansas yeah. either. They're like, Kansas, what's out there? Like, is it good cornfields? I'm like, yeah, pretty much, and blizzards and like hateful colts and stuff like that. Yeah. So. And Utah just is beautiful, very beautiful to visit. Utah is actually beautiful. Yeah. But it, living there is a whole different story. Yeah. You know? It's nice okay. to visit, not live there. But first day, um, you know, Basically, I go into the changing room where there's all these naked women. <laughs> are they all hot? You know, are they? Tens? I think are they? Eights? I work in the number one club in America. Yeah, so I would say that she works there at Rhino in Las Vegas. It's like the number one gentleman club. Girls. Yeah, but there also has to be, you know, a flavor for everyone. Okay, right. How many so girls work at your job? There's fifteen hundred active. Fifteen hundred. Yeah. Have you and met then, them all? Well, I would say. We don't have a schedule, mm-hmm. so we can kind of show up when we want. So, how many girls are working at a time? Two hundred and fifty, about. What yeah. the hell? How many men are in there at a time? A lot. 
Really? Yeah. Damn. And it's 24 hours? But sometimes, yeah. Okay. Sometimes there's more girls than men. Okay. Right? True. So yeah, as I've soon been... as there's an empty lap, another girl's sitting on it. Do right? girls go to girls faster than they go to men? Or what, like, is there any stra- strategy involved mm-hmm. at all? I would say that Would you rather women, get a couple? in a way, can sometimes be a cock block for their boyfriends or husbands. Okay. Um, she has to be down. She has to be really cool for us dancers to want to approach. Yeah. But- even if you are approaching a couple, you want to approach the woman first just out of respect, yeah. right? Because you don't want her to feel threatened by sitting on her husband or her man's lap yeah. first, right? Yeah, yeah. So first night of the job. First night of the job. Right. Um, my boss says, you have one of the best bodies here in the club. She has an amazing body, guys. I'm going to be making <laughs> you about $3,000 a night. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. If you just listen to me is what he says. Oh, okay. So what do you have to do? <laughs> and I'm like... I'm making like a little under $3,000 a month, yeah. right? This wow. is $3,000 a night. Okay. Okay. And this yeah. is pre-COVID. Things have changed a little bit, okay. but pre-COVID. Yep. And um, they kind of show you around, give you an orientation of what you can and can't do. They show you all the different rooms. What can you do? What can you not do? Okay. <laughs> they kind of scared me like at, at the beginning. Hey, sometimes there's undercover cops come in. So if they start oh. asking you weird questions in the back, you know, to go home with them, different things like that, like it's a no. Okay. Um, just different things like that. How can you tell when it's an undercover cop? Have you ever had I've one? never experienced okay. that. Okay. But let's get real. I yeah. think most guys ask us to go home with them. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, isn't that kind of what guys want? That's yeah. like the fantasy, right? To right. take one home. I probably get asked 20 times a night. 20 times a night. Yeah. Okay. So. 3000 a night, it, how much is it per like hour or, the, you know, how much does it cost to take you in the back room? What happens okay. in the back room? So there's different back rooms. Oh, okay. And there's fancier back rooms. Oh. And even though you might want to go do an hour with someone, there's like an hour that's $400 an hour, but then there's the fancier room that's $600 an hour. Is and like that a, all goes to me, right? So is it like a suite? Is there a balcony? Like there's what? curtains. Ooh. It's, you know, a tufted couch. Okay. The whole vibe, bottle service. Yeah. And um, okay. there's a room charge. There's You can tip on top of the hour. So every hour that ends, uh-huh. the host comes back and says, hey, your hour is up. Would yeah. you like to re-up an hour with this young lady? Yeah. By the way, any additional tips? Yeah. You know, okay. you can add, whatever. And so. these, these hosts. So tell me more about these hosts. Are they, do they like, do they protect you guys? What if someone tries to touch you? Like, well, first of all, let's go back to like the rules. Cause you told me there's actual legal rules of what they can and cannot do with you at the club. Right. What, what are the panties rules? have to stay on. Okay. Top comes off. Okay. Fair. Um, and so we're dancing. And our panties have to be two finger width. Okay. Behind the asshole. Like, okay. So it's like, a, it's <laughs> so like if we a, bend over on stage, everything's covered. Decent sized thong. Mm-hmm. Okay. That we all probably wear that anyways. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's happening. So, Obviously, these men are probably going to request things back there. So how do you handle if they're touching you more than they should be touching you, if they're trying to get you to do things that are not supposed to happen? Well, like, there's cameras okay. in every room. Okay. And they're like casino cameras, like infrared. They can see you like it's wow. during the day, even though it's dark, oh, right? okay, yeah. And so we do have the guys over the cameras. And if something gets too frisky, okay, whether it's the dancer's fault or whether yeah. it's the guy's fault, yeah. um, a host will come and okay. say... My stage name's Cascade. So Cascade. Um, Cascade, it's getting a little too heavy back here. You need to tone it down, right? <laughs> you need to calm so down. So it's kind of a nice little barrier okay. or boundary yeah. where I can say, hey, you know, we, we need gotta, to tone that we down. We need to tone it down, okay. Which, you know, is great for the girls because we're, we're still making our money. Yeah. But now 
we might need to take a little break and have a chat, right? right? Or oh, okay. talk a little bit about where you're from or oh, okay. here, here's your drink. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have another. Yeah. So. so I think people have a strong misconception that every time you go to the strip club, you're going to sleep, you, can, you know, the guys are trying to sleep with the girls. That every time you take them to the back, they're having sex. Like this isn't really happening. No, no. I would say that that probably does happen in clubs across America. Okay. But not at Rhino. You know, I will, I I will say (laughs) trigger warning that Rhino is a very respectable club and Rhino does follow the laws and legalities. Yeah. Has it maybe happened? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Now have you like, who would it maybe happen for? Would it happen for like a celebrity or like an, are we talking? That's where probably politics are involved for sure. And I'm not, I'm not speaking about Rhino right now. I'll say in general, general. at other clubs or whatever, because I'm not, I would never paint Rhino to be something it's not. But let's just say hypothetically in another club, Mm -hmm. the high rollers, the gamblers, the whatever, um, maybe a camera could get shut off. Maybe things... You know, the they look the other way. But it's way. more of a rarity than it is the, the yeah, it's not, case. It's yeah, not happening no. every single girl. No. Like a have... regular guy coming in is not going to get that. Okay. And you guys I, have boundaries in place. You have well, rules. That's that's sounding like we do that. I'm just saying. I've heard stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we've all heard stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's this is just interesting because I've been to, I've been to strip clubs. I think that we've all been there, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, and we've all had a good time there. Beautiful women, a fun experience. Like it's a great time. Yeah, and I think that it's up to each individual girl if she ends up going home with someone after her shift is over. Okay, you know, Rhino tries to prevent that from happening by um, showing up. We have to work for six hours from the second we clock in, okay. and they're hoping that within the first hour or two of us working, if someone says, "Hey," How much would it cost to get you out of here? Well, guess what? We still have five more hours to work. Right. And hopefully by then that guy would have found someone else or left, found some girl in the casino, whatever, and yeah. we're off the hook. Yeah. So it's kind of a way of protecting us. But also they want their prettiest girls to be at the job. Yeah. They don't want us leaving. It's not a it's not a whorehouse. Yeah. You know, we yeah. don't go there to find men to leave with. Right. Now, if someone's single, if someone really desperately needed the money there's a million different scenarios that a woman could say yes to right um and that's up to her i guess it's up to any human being on this planet yeah but the takeaway is that if if the you know because a lot of women or men might assume these these sexual events are happening at the club or in the back room so you're saying that if anything happens it's happening after the club after hours yeah. it was arranged the girl consented they made a deal and they're for sure that's what's happening yeah okay so that see that most that to me paints girls, a different picture than what people think really is happening yeah but most of these girls with their heads on straight yeah responsible like powerful women mm-hmm. we're not looking for that mm-hmm. we really just want our number at the end of the night we yeah. want to hit a certain number and we want to get all those hours. We want to get our tips. Yeah. And, you know, I've negotiated Christian Louboutins as a, a tip in the wow. back room. I've negotiated different things. How um, much money have you made in one night is like their top number. Can you tell us that? Or in a weekend? Like, can you tell us that? You know, I want to stay a little bit more vague on that. <laughs> Give us a range. <laughs> get, no, wait. Tell us in, in a material item <laughs> how much you made in, in a weekend. Or maybe a month. Is that more vague? Can you, you know, the sky's the limit. The sky's the really. Limit. Can I mean, you buy a car in a month? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty fucking dope. That's so, pretty insane. You know, but the thing girls is, are making so much money on OnlyFans now. Oh, for sure. Right. So, 
yeah. in the club, if you were just to stick to making money in the club and that's it, and you go home after, yeah, girls are killing it way more than us in yeah. the club yeah. at, with OnlyFans and doing content yeah. online. That's so, true. It's you know, it's true. all relative. It's I think very true. for me to sit and start talking about numbers, there's girls making so much, so many other ways that right. I think I just want to know I'm making what I want to make, yeah. doing what I want to do. I can wake up in the morning, feel good about myself, not feel any guilt or shame about what I've done. Yep. And to me, that's just more of an honest living. Yeah, well, because you know, you you and I have had these conversations. You have found a way to find boundaries for yourself, and you are a very hustler type. You've developed uh, a way, a strategy, a method, a, a whole experience whereby you have boundaries. And you know these powerful, successful men are coming in, and they're meeting you, and they're seeing how gorgeous you are. She is definitely one of the top girls I've been to Rhino. I've seen them, and you know she's stunning regardless of what room she's in. But it's just it's interesting to me that you have found your worth, and I'm sure there's other women in the same industry that've done the same. I've done the same in, in OnlyFans where I have a boundary. I decided that boundary and plenty of men and women are trying to get me to push my boundaries and say, oh, take your panties off. Oh, do nudes, do mm -hmm. this, do that, go sexual. I That's not never going to be my boundary. I'm never going to be interested in that. There's no dollar amount that'll ever push me there. Exactly. I don't feel good. It gives me anxiety. It gives me, uh, it makes me feel shitty. It makes me feel degraded. So me personally, as a human, I'm not shaming other women that have a different boundary because if you that makes you feel happy or safe or well taken Absolutely. care of, that I'm okay with that. But my, so but for me, in these, in these I'm over industries. here like I'm a mom. I'm married. I'm this. I'm that. So for me, I I've been able to establish a boundary and I've established worth to the point that for me, I would say on my OnlyFans, you're going to see you know, you're probably going to see topless. You're not going to see any nudes. I'm never taking my panties off. I'm not going to like, I'll do some fun teasy stripping type things. And it's to me, it's a very sexy um, strip tease or it's a very sexy like music video. You're going to get somewhere between three and seven minutes of me being And I always wear a different cute outfit. I get all dolled up. I get creative. We do jewelry. We do paint. We do, you know, different scenes and everything. And it, it is a very fun experience. But like you, I've found my I found my worth. I know how much I'm worth money wise. I also know how much I'm worth boundary. And no man or woman is going to push me past that boundary. Exactly. So I want you to tell us what are your boundaries? How did you how do you distinguish yourself or what do you hope other women that are in this industry can do for themselves to hustle to make the money so that they can bring home the money to their family, live a lifestyle they want to live, but also feel like they're not crossing a boundary where they feel like whether it's feeling degraded or whether it's feeling like they sacrifice too much of themselves for something like how did you establish that where where are your where is your boundaries i would say that self discipline is probably the number one answer when it comes to how you work in a club i can't answer for other girls that work in other clubs across the nation rhino is like top tier same yeah. with like 11 in miami yeah. right yeah. um so there is a social stigma when it comes to dancing where people really do think the worst. And mm -hmm. I'm, I feel very spoiled in my career. I really do. There's a top 10, maybe 20 girls at Rhino okay. that my boss can always rely on. Okay. And so we're very safe and protected. I can't say that other clubs do that for their women. And what do you right? mean by protected? Just that we're going to be fed the best customers. Okay respectable customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Celebrities, artists, you mm -hmm. know, 
high rollers, guys that are gambling millions of dollars, where they have a reputation that they have to keep on track. They can't afford yeah. to um, risk anything. So yeah. they're not going to treat us. So you kind of get a high a level experience. Way. It's absolutely. It's interesting to me um, because in Vegas, I don't know if everyone who's not from Vegas knows this, but there is several levels of interaction with hot females in Vegas. You got your bottle service girls, you have ambiance girls, you have girls that work in, at Rhino and in other like elite clubs. And I, the girls that are working at XS as cocktail waitresses, same thing. They're meeting the same men that are coming that into my meeting. club. Yeah. So they might get offered a trip. Okay. or money right. or a larger tip on yeah. the end of that bill. Right. But then when that club closes, those guys want to continue the night and they're just coming over to me. So exactly. all of us girls are meeting the same, same guys. guys coming through. Yeah. You know, obviously. But it's so interesting to me because it's just, it's the same thing with a different spin on it. Like, okay. Yeah. Like with my only fans. Okay. With ambiance girls, they're not going to probably be topless. They're not going to be dancing, but they're still hot girls you're interacting with. They're kind of getting, they're paying for an experience to be around beautiful women. That's kind of what the overall arching thing is. These these rich men want to be around beautiful women. So they're paying for that experience. They pay for that experience at the club. They pay for that experience with ambiance girls. They pay that for that experience when they go to the Rhino. And if they want to continue that experience and offer you, you know, because you've told me you've gotten offered trips, you know, yeah, high, high ticket dollar trips and stuff. Yeah. And I wasn't very well traveled before having this job. And then I've been taken to Europe and, wow. and all across... America and, and doing all the things that hot girls want to do, right? Like yeah. going to Coachella. And girls are still doing this through their DMs. Girls are getting offered trips from guys, rich guys, celebrities, artists, whatever you name it. Any any girl, any girl has access to this through social media, right? So it's mm -hmm. almost like you're not having that much different experience. It, it's, it comes through a different avenue but and you, that you have access to these men. But really, a lot of us women have access to them through our social media. So it's like the same experience. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. So tell me a little bit about like, okay, now you went from Utah, Mormon life. You're, you're a home, you're home alone with the kids. Your man was making the money. Then he, he goes off. He does an addiction. You have no support physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. Mm -hmm. You have to take the reins. You gotta, you gotta step up. You're doing this job. Yeah. And I'd been coming out here for a girl's trip. So you're coming for a girl's trip. Guys, girls, watch out for those girls industry. trips. You might end up working in Rhino. <laughs> and getting invited to the clubs and the first night of work. Um, one of one of the like major DJs out here in Las Vegas that yeah. has a residency at the Wynn happened to come into Rhino on my very first night, which I already knew him okay. because of these girl trips and getting invited up on stage yeah. while they were performing and stuff. So he sees me and he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, <laughs> it's my first night. <laughs> he's like, oh my God, you're going to be making like drug dealer kind of money, yeah. right? And he's like, where are you staying? And he's like, come here, come sit with me. And he's like, where are you staying? And I was like, I honestly don't even have a hotel room yet. I had wow. $350 to my name. Wow. And he said, come stay with me. Oh, wow. So I got to go stay at the Wynn, like my wow. first week of coming out to dance. And um, Wynn is like her favorite casino, guys. It's it's most people's <laughs> it's so favorite. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's stunning. It's like it's like the number one top, hotel in the number world. Number one hotel, top tier. Like anyone who somebody's comes to Vegas is going to stay at the Wynn. Yeah. Every time we go to brunch, My Whitney, kind of Whitney, Whitney brings me to – she's high ticket, guys. You're not going to be able to take her to a date unless you take her to the win. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, okay, so you meet these high-level men, and, and, and let's – I think – I don't know if we touched on it, but you were working at the club for, like, two months before something really tragic happened. Right. What, what, explain, right. explain to us what went down. Okay. Um, first, I'll say 
I'll I'll tap into spiritual spirituality for like two seconds. Okay. I was going through like a total awakening at okay. this time. I think like just leveling up mm-hmm. and being so willing and open for change and to change my life. Okay. That um, you know, whether you believe in this or not, this is what was happening. Well, you know I was, do. Yeah. Energy was just coming through me and I was just having these aha moments, these like things that I had always questioned my whole life, I was immediately like getting answers to. I was on fire. Wow. And I was finding people in the club that like whatever I was manifesting was just coming about in two seconds. People would give me the amounts of money that I was looking for. I mean, all of these magical things were happening. Mm -hmm. And um, this one night I was talking to this guy about spirituality, which is like, how often do you talk about that in a strip club? And (laughs) Well, Whitney does, so. (laughs) I do. And he happened to be wearing the same shoes that I bought for my husband. He happened to have the same job that my husband had. My oh, husband wow. worked for TD Ameritrade. Um, and we were having these conversations about my husband's- Were you guys ad- divorced or separated? We were separated. Okay. But, you know, always in hopes that he'd get better. That get clean. You know, I loved him so much. Of course. But, this is the love of her life, guys. Yeah. So um, we're having these conversations about Jeremy at the club and like where I am at in my marriage. And I get off of work at seven o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And at 7.20, my phone rings, and I'm on the bed with my roommate because I had a roommate that was traveling in from Los Angeles. And we were talking about the night, and all of a sudden I see that my husband's boss is calling. And when I picked up the phone, he just, like, blood-curdling screamed my name, you know, Whitney. Oh, no. And I just knew, like, Jeremy died. Oh, my God. And um, he couldn't speak clearly yeah. and all I could hear was I have to call you back I have to call you back and it was just a few minutes after that that an officer called and said are you next of kin mm-hmm. and um you know we found your husband's body and oh my god and Where- he'd been in his boss's extra home like his boss had been renting out rooms to all of his employees because we were separated that's where he went okay and um he had been there for about 30 hours before someone what? found him oh my god and it was fentanyl Oh, Jesus. And I think throughout his addiction, nothing could quite touch or hit the way that he wanted it to or numb the pain. Yeah. And you get used to, you know, these drugs that you're on. And so he found some guy that showed up to work, got hired for literally three days and never came back. And he was training him. And in that three days, um, was able to get a number and a contact to get these pills. Yeah, and it, it was pills that he took, right? Yeah, it, it was, was like car fentanyl. It was like from China. So he actually tried to get fentanyl. He It wasn't laced. It was he actually was seeking mm-hmm. out fentanyl. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. insane. And it only took three weeks. We found all the text messages in the phone, everything. Um, it only took three weeks to kill him. Yeah. And, you know, he'd been doing drugs. He was 37 when he passed. He was 37. And, I'm um, 37 right now. Yeah, it's too young. That's way too, way young. too young. And your kid, your your sons were how old when this happened? Nine and 12. Nine and twelve. Mm-hmm. So you had already had to figure out how to start paying the bills because he's going through these addictions. I'd had this job for like two and a half months. And he yeah. and he also told you at times, Oh, I'm gonna get clean for you, I love you. Mm-hmm. And he, he toyed with your emotions a little bit about when you started the job at the strip club. You know, tell tell us a little bit about that. Like that's a lot to go yeah, through. Yeah, on my first night of work, I didn't want to tell anyone I was gonna be a dancer. Everything now I don't I don't even care because it's <laughs> Brought so much joy and everything to my well, life. Yeah, it gave you access to a lot of people. I mean, we met, we didn't meet through Rhino. I, I have been to your work, but 
actually our story, I'll tell our story a little bit real quick, just cause it's interesting. So, um, I was at excess. It's like where everyone meets each other. Um, uh, I was at excess out night. I can't remember what I was out for, but me and Dave were out with some friends partying. And, um, I remember at the time I specifically had been toying in my head about whether or not we were going to have a baby. I think I was like 34 years old and I was ready for a baby mentally and emotionally. But, you know, for whatever reason, you're in a relationship and you always wonder, are we ready? Like financially, emotionally, da, 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 da. And I was just, it was in my head. I hadn't talked to anyone about it. Me and Whitney had never met. And it's just the only thing I can think about at a club at excess is whether or not I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> so I'm like sitting there, do to do, listen to the music. And all of a sudden Whitney comes over. She had this like beautiful short haircut. Like she's the only one that could hold off this haircut, by the way. And it is like bright blonde hair. She comes over. She glows. She like floats over to me like an angel. And I'm over here. I'm like, who's this beautiful woman? And why is she coming to me? And she just looks over. You look over at me and you're like. I just, it came to me and I don't know if you, you know, you're you want to receive this or not, but I, it came to me that you're supposed to be a mother and, and I can't remember if even if you said this, I was going to have a daughter, but you said you're going to be a mother and it's going to be amazing. And I just needed to tell you that mm-hmm. and you're beautiful and you're going to be amazing mother. And I was just like, what? Yeah. I had that message. You just, it literally, it just came you came to me. to me, you floated over, you delivered the message and you kind of like floated back to your hot friends again. <laughs> and I'm like, Dave's like, who was that? And I'm like, I don't know. I think she's an angel. <laughs> and then I was the first person that you let know when yeah. you were pregnant. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and the craziest thing, this is what's cool with social media because we literally didn't know each other. We probably have never would have been able to be, be friends after that. And I remember giving you my Instagram, just saying like, like something about you was like, I, I want to connect. Like, I don't know right. what it is. It felt powerful. It's spiritual. It felt like I, I could trust you. You seemed really powerful. You had a message to me that was spiritual, maybe from God, the universe, whatever. And um, we, we shared Instagrams and then we literally built our friendship through Instagram. I had not known anything about what you went down with Jeremy. I, I didn't even know you worked at Rhino. I knew nothing about you. I just knew that your soul, our souls connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like crazy. And then yeah. we built a friendship after that. And I actually hadn't, wasn't even living in Vegas yet. It wasn't until later that I moved to Vegas. And then, you know, I had Aria and I came to you with mother advice and you've helped me a lot through a lot of things, actually, you know, like you are a very strong woman. Um, I knew that once you had shared your story with me about Jeremy and I was just like, oh my God, this woman, you literally became a widow at a very young age with two sons and you were thrust into this industry that you kind of, you know, had to navigate, you had to discover, you had to find the boundaries. I had no idea what I was doing. You had no idea what you were doing, but you figured it out and you figured out a way to make a blessing out of something like that and understand that you had access to these rich and powerful men. You figured out a way to learn from them when it comes to like, you've taught me things about business, entrepreneur, how to travel, how to become elevated in different ma- manners. Like, you know, I'm sure. Time and place, the way I look on the outside, not just so much even doing the work on the inside, but, um, you know, fashion and, and just when I go to a country club or where wherever I'm traveling, how... Well, yeah, you were living an elevated life. You know, this this career gave you the ability to raise your children, which I also thought was amazing because your sons watched their father abandon them, get it, get it addicted and then Mm -hmm. die, which is three tragedies in a row. And then their mom has to step up and take care of everything, all the Mm -hmm. bills, everything. But you found a way with little to no support to support yourself and support them. And then you were able to be home with them Monday through Friday or Monday through (laughs) Thursday, Sunday night through Friday morning. Okay. In Utah. And I had, so I would rent an apartment here in Vegas. Yeah. Had a home in Utah. Yeah. And so I was there for all their schoolwork, everything, which is more than I think a lot of people could say. 
right? I I watch firsthand. I don't know how you did this because I watch firsthand my sister-in-law lose her fiance at 29 and mm-hmm. and she had a baby and you know we came together it was it was a terrible tragedy uh, my little niece raven she's a sweetheart we came together as a family and we helped support but we had four adults in the house taking care of two babies you're one human taking care of two sons that are young and and no one else like i'm just telling you from from my experience it was hard with a lot of support and i can't imagine with like next to no support because the grieving process is already hard enough as itself let alone trying to do single mom shit like it, it's it's just two huge did, things it's two monsters help. it's two monsters but yeah. in your home i mean you, you had help but like you still had to like that was a beast to overcome well, you know what i mean okay. like and keep it your was, shit together because how, how do you even go to the club and work if you're crying your eyes out every day at least you can't sit on I someone's lap i didn't cry because i didn't have time to grieve myself <laughs> because when i got that call yeah my first thought was not how do i feel yeah it was how am I going to tell my mother, yeah. my mother-in-law, yeah. that she lost a second son to addiction? Oh, so I wasn't even thinking about myself. So yeah. I call her, and her first reaction on the phone is, good morning, sunshine. Oh, and man. how am I going to tell her that her second son passed? <sighs> so I say, is Papa with you, my father-in-law? She said, yeah. I said, could you get him on the phone? Mm-hmm. And um, he got on the phone, I just said, Don, I need you to sit next to Sandy mm-hmm. and I need you to put your arm around her. Yeah. And he said, okay. And he goes, all right, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. We have you on speaker. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I love you guys very much. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah. And I said, I just got a call that Jeremy passed. Yeah. And his mom was so distraught, so distraught. Wow. She immediately started throwing up. Oh, God. And... I called my mom. She had just dropped my kids off at school. Yeah. And um, she's just like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I just said, you need to go over to Sandy's house and mm-hmm. be there with her. So my mom. You went into straight fix oh, it like, mode. Take, You're like, yeah, these taking this is, care of I everything. have to compartmentalize this shit. This is, you almost like didn't make it your trauma. You were like, these are, this is everyone else's trauma. Yeah. And you, I, I'm six hours away. And, and it's, then this it's, is, this is your my... husband. This is the love of your life. Yeah. This is the father of your kids. And somehow your mind was able to be like, I'm going to compartmentalize this because this is so painful for everybody else. Yeah. I That's mean, insane. What am I supposed to do? Well, you, I mean, you took care of business, you know, like how you can did... I sit and grieve and cry for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes while his mother doesn't know that he's gone. Yeah. To me that it didn't make no, sense to you. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it happened. My sister and I have always shared birthdays. Hers is August 28th and mine is August 29th. Jeremy passed technically on the 27th, but once you're found, that's the day that oh, you've passed. Oh, I so didn't know that actually. He passed on my sister's birthday and then we weren't allowed to see him because his roommate had kicked down the door to find him. Okay. And it looked like it could have been a homicide. What the fuck? So they said, we need to do an autopsy, pretty extensive, to okay. see if this is a homicide. You guys won't be able to see him for a week and a half. So me being out of town, my family was like, don't drive home distraught. Yeah. Like, if you need to just take your time, we want you to get home safe. Okay. So I laid so you in weren't bed. Even, you weren't even with your boys when this happened? No, my, my mom had dropped them off at school because my mother-in-law and my mom would take care of the boys Friday, Saturday, Sunday while I would work. Okay. Then I'd get home Sunday night. Okay. Um. Wow, I didn't even so, realize that detail. Yeah. You were by yourself. Yeah. So then I laid in bed for about six hours just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, 
I I went through my my grief and drove home, mm-hmm. and that that drive was pretty scary for me. I yeah. would say because yeah. there's not a lot of lights in the desert yeah, <laughs> driving no. home from Vegas to Utah. Right. And at that time, you know, Jeremy was living with roommates, and his roommate had found his phone and was going through it while I was driving home and telling me what had happened. We were trying to put all the pieces together, and um, you know, this is a little like morbid, but he had. FaceTime me the room and like there were pills on the ground and there were like there was a whole scene right and mm-hmm. because he had been there for 30 hours he you know FaceTime me there were dents in the carpet of where he'd been laying and to me that just really like Ugh. really got me yeah and I just felt nothing but darkness like I was had never been so scared in my life right and um wait so, why why were you in the room well He was FaceTiming me the room, like the scene of where they found him and everything, right? Because he was living at his boss's house. Okay. And, um, you know, they found him here. Mm -hmm. His belongings are here. Here's his phone. We started going, you know, going through his phone to figure out where did he get these pills from? Right. Who was he talking to? We were just trying to put everything together. Together, Yeah. And um, that's when a lot of, you know, hurt and fear came in was just finding out all the details and what place or energy jeremy was in to get to this point that like yeah you you don't just die you know it's just not yeah you know so um i get home on my sister's birthday the 28th late that night and my kids had already been put to bed at my mom's house and i crawled into bed with my mom and she just said you know what are you going to say to them in the morning and um Next morning, my kids, we hear them giggling in the next room. And she just looked at me and said, good luck, honey. Mm -hmm. And I had to walk into the room and sit with them. And I knew that the way I was going to tell them was going to be, you know, it had to be powerful because I'm raising men. Mm -hmm. And if I would have sobbed and cried in front of them, then that's how they would have handled it. Yeah. And so I just told them to sit in Indian style Mm -hmm. and we all held hands. I don't Mm -hmm. know what, (laughs) don't ask me why I just, (laughs) I did this and I just talked to them and I just said, Hey, um, you know why mommy's always tried to protect you Mm -hmm. and, um, you know what daddy's gotten into. Mm -hmm. And they just looked at me and Mm -hmm. shook their head and, and I said, um, daddy took too much medicine and he didn't make it. Oh no. And my oldest was like, what? Well, how old was he at the time? They were nine and 12. Oh, wow. And one of my sons was just like, you mean he died? Oh, no. And I was like, yeah, baby, he did. Oh, no. And um, I just said, everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I'll always take care of you. Mm -hmm. And now you know Mm -hmm. why, like, mommy and daddy always had to be separated and and why this happened. And Mm -hmm. um, right then my brother came over and walked in and gave them a hug. And it was just immediately family was just like, hey, we'll always be here for you. And Mm -hmm. we just made a pact to just keep a really good eye on the kids Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that if we ever saw them slip, that we would get them help immediately or, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's been a whole journey, but I think so strong. The fact that you had the mental capacity to come up with that strategy that you were protecting the family, even in the midst of your crisis, that you were able to maintain composure to go to work. Like I was at work two weeks later. That's insane. I had to. Yeah. 
and and I understand that like you don't have a choice but like the fact that you you it does take mental strength there are people that crumble and can't function like they they should but they can't function for like a year plus like they can't do the work they can't change their clothes like it's it's understandable you know but the fact that you know for whatever reason you had the power the spiritual strength or the mental fortitude the, the whatever it is you had it well i'll go back to um kind of those spiritual experiences that were happening okay. is when i got that call do you from feel like that the officer helped, that oh helped for sure you? okay and when i got the call from the officer this is so weird uh, the only way i can explain it is if someone were to put like a veil in front of me like a transparent sheet mm mm-hmm. And it was almost like I could see a movie that mm-hmm. when I got called, I just saw a prison door swinging open. Oh, wow. And in that moment, I just had this feeling, go become the woman you've always wanted to be. Yeah. Because I was going to be held back from his lies, stealing, yep. everything he was doing, other women, Manipulation. all that. Yeah. So go, like, now's your time. Yeah. Go become the woman that you've always wanted to be. Yeah. And so I just made a promise to myself that, Instead of letting this drown me even mm-hmm. more than I already was, yeah, um, I was only going to go up, yeah, from here, and, and so that was my decision. And that's amazing, yeah. And, and and spiritual elevation is a real thing, and I, and it's powerful to, for you to tell your story and share that. I, you know, you and I have had a lot of spiritual conversations. Like Whitney's got me through a lot of hard shit. Like you know, I I was grieving a lot when, when you know my whole family was. Dave was Maria. Um, my whole family was grieving when um, her fiance passed, my brother-in-law, and this happened in August of 2020. Um, during quarantine, we had babies. You know, Ari was six months. I think Raven was four months. Um, it was just, it was pivotally, it was one of the most painful experiences I've ever witnessed, not just because I, I was going through pain, but I was absorbing the pain of everyone around me. Like seeing Maria firsthand become a widow with a baby, seeing Dave, you know, see her pain and feel her pain and, and me and grace. And just, it just, there was just like a whole, I, I don't know. I absorbed all of the pain and I had to call you many times and say, Whitney, cause you, mm-hmm. you did become a widow. You were thrust into widowhood with the love. It was the love of your life. You didn't want him to leave you. You wanted him to get clean. He, I think he did get clean for a period of time, but he relapsed. Yeah. And so for you to be able to overcome that with two kids and everything and be as strong as you've been like i've had to call you and say whitney what do i do about this how do i handle this grief how do i say the right thing you know to maria or to dave like how do i handle if i'm getting very angry about my grief how do i handle if i'm getting super sad about my grief how do i handle whatever it is and you were always super strong with it and giving me really good strong sturdy advice i'm happy i could be there and it was super powerful for me and you've been you've you've been spiritual in other ways too another way we connected you know you guys know i have a really strong faith in god and i believe in signs angels the universe like i think there's a very strong spiritual realm that we don't always tap into and people tap into it in different ways you can call them our angels you can call them our ancestors you can call them signs whatever you want to but i think it's a real realm and you and i have had these conversations you know and they've gotten stronger as we've gotten you know closer as friends but i remember you told me a couple times that you see visions and this was really powerful for me because you know guys when i when i was in the westboro i studied the bible for 7 years and i know pretty much all the verses like if you if you say a verse i can remember what that is or what it entailed or what i learned about it so i will say the one cool thing about being in a religious cult which there's not a <laughs> lot of cool things is that i got a free uh, theology study. And so I, 
it, there is a verse that talks about in the in, in the end times where uh, my sons and daughters shall, shall see visions and they'll actually see visions of their life, other people's lives, the future, like, and you've had visions and you've shared oh, yeah. them with me. And yeah. I, I never- It used to happen a lot more than it does now. Really? Um, but I think that that probably came through pretty heavy at that time because I was going through that from 2014 to probably 2020. Yeah. And where it was pretty heavy. And I think that that's where I was going through the most in my life. Yeah. And I feel like if I wouldn't have had the knowledge that there's more beyond us. Yeah. I don't know how I would have really gotten through it, to be honest. I mean, I can, I saw, I've seen your strength. I've heard your strength. Even every time you tell your story, I, I'm astounded by the strength that you've had over these years and the ability yeah. to raise your sons in a world without a, a, a father figure ultimately. And they're men. They're, they're they take mm -hmm. care of themselves. They respect you. They they're honor amazing. you. Like it's very humbling to see that like, you're a real human. You're like, you're a real mother. You're a real, you love the shit out of your sons. You've done everything for your sons. Yeah. Like, you know, I think people have this like judgment of strippers, dancers, like, you know, whatever. And, um, you're like, I, I, such I, a beautiful I genuinely look up to you as a mother. I genuinely look up to you as someone who loves her family and who's done whatever it takes to help her family survive. Because Thank you. when it comes to addiction, we know this, that it's generational, you know, that, if you didn't help stop the addiction track, your sons could have gone gone there. You know, like you saw it happen with the brother, the brother, you know, and if they and my husband was so smart and he was so good looking. And he really when he was clean, he could have had it all, right? Yeah. yeah. He was making great money. He was so Ugh, charming. So... Like he was such a beautiful, beautiful man. And I have to say that because I don't want this story just to be about the bad things he did. Like he was everyone beautiful. loved him. Yeah. Um and addictions are real and I, it's a real disease. It's a real situation. And I, I feel for people that have addiction, I've seen it from my nursing side. If people struggle with it, I've seen it in people's lives or heard stories and you just know it's, it's such a real thing. And like out of all the things, pain pills, I feel like is the, one of the worst, you know, because there's just, it overwhelms your body so much that it's like, it's, it'll take a grown man that can't overcome it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just no one has the strength and power to overcome that level of chemical addiction. Yeah. And if your pain, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, um, addicted because you're trying to fix the pain that you're going through, that's not fixable. Like, it's just, it seems like a, a, a never ending battle. Like it's, he wasn't going to beat it. Yeah. And we, yeah. we so, came to a conclusion that he wasn't. And yeah. it got to the point where, my mother-in-law and I were would be, we'd be on the phone planning his funeral. Jesus, and so it was expected. Yeah. I mean, we never wanted that, of right. course. Yeah. But there was a story that um, you know you had asked what he was kind of putting me through earlier in the podcast, and I'll I'll kind of backtrack a little bit okay, because yeah. at the beginning of the back or, or the beginning of the podcast, I had said that my landlord called, yeah. wanted to sell the house. I had to buy back to school clothes. I had three hundred fifty dollars in my name. Well, <laughs> Ugh, yikes. excuse me, um, come to find out, I go get this job and all of that's ahead of me, you know, moving out, all that. Well, Jer passed and it ended up that his funeral had to be in the same week of me moving out and my kids starting school. So here I had gotten this job because I was already facing a couple of those things, let alone did I know that my husband was going to pass and it was going to all land time. in the same week. Wow. And there was a, oh, I wish I knew 
Did it feel like you were escaping Utah and like whatever that lifestyle was and now you were, Vegas is a new life, a new change? I was so happy to be in Vegas. I was doing hair in Utah and women were calling me like, oh, I have to cancel my appointment. Can you do it next week? Da, da, da. And I start making this money not even knowing what I'm doing, right? And it's yeah. cash. Yeah. And I go back to Utah and people are like canceling their appointments and then rescheduling. And I just said, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. You're, you can't reschedule with me. I'm wow. done. Uh, Vegas is my new thing. Why and did why did that seem like it, it did it feel like you're putting a different life behind you? Did you feel like Utah wasn't your style anymore? Like, well, it was never my style. Yeah. And like, hi to my friends from Utah that actually <laughs> see me and appreciate me. Yeah. But everyone in Utah that knows me well yeah. knows that I had it you hard. Weren't gonna, had you were going to stay in a small town. Had the judgments. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And well, I didn't either. I yeah. kind of, I'm out here too. Yeah. I'm, and so I think that it's interesting for my friends in Utah to, Utah to watch my life and see what I'm doing with it now. And they're all kind of like cheering me on, which is mm -hmm. nice. Um, yeah. But yeah. But it's, you've killed it. It's been such a journey. And then five months after Jer passed is when I met someone that I became in a relationship with for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And he was in the whole Hollywood lifestyle, right? Yeah. He lived half time in Beverly Hills, half time in Miami. And he was a producer of one of the number one TV shows in America with yeah. Dwayne Johnson. Okay. And he kind of so powerful dude. Yeah. He came into Rhino okay. and just kind of like bumped into me. Right. Okay. And he was said, it love it first. Well, <laughs> I actually have a video of him explaining when we met. He's like, when when I saw Whitney, it was like, voila. Like, that was Well, it. yeah. I mean, Came yeah. over. And so he asked me to go to the back room. This guy doesn't drink, but he had to buy like an $800 bottle just to take me back there. Mm -hmm. And he says to me, you know, what is a girl like you doing here? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to sit and tell him my husband died. Like, this isn't strip club talk, yeah. this boner killer, right? A boner killer. <laughs> <laughs> and so I tell him, I'm like, you know, let's just skip past that, right? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, honestly, it would make me feel more comfortable if we talked first. And like, don't even take off your clothes. Like, let's just talk. Okay. And I'm like, okay, this guy's a little different, yeah. right? And so he said, I have a lot of contacts in my life, like a lot of amazing relationships mm -hmm. in business and everything. Yep. If there's something that I can do to help you, mm -hmm. please like let me know. Right, and, right off the bat. Right. But I'm just going like, oh, whatever. Like, guy, you know, this yeah. guy's just talking. And um, he just said, look, how much to get you to not go to work for the rest of the weekend? First conversation. Yeah. Wow. And this was Super Bowl weekend, February 3rd, okay. 2018. Dang, you have a good memory. And he says, you know, why don't you come gambling with me? I'll like slide you over some chips. Mm -hmm. You'll make money that way. Yeah. I'll make it so that you don't feel like you're missing out on work for the weekend. Okay. And you'll have everything you want. Okay. So he takes me shopping. Yeah. And this is when I get like my first pair of Christian Louboutins. Oh my God. Right? The That's red fun. bottoms. And suicide. Yes. And he <laughs> starts talking about his mom and saying how fashionable she was and all the things that she's collected throughout her life, which is why he knows about fashion and just being in the Hollywood industry. So, you know, my outer image being a single mother is yeah. like, you know, I was getting by, but I didn't have anything luxury, let alone does Utah even really sell anything super high end. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he started kind of like spoiling me and through all these relationships and product placement for the show, he had relationships with these high end brands. I mean, you have to 
do yeah. wardrobe for yeah. these I mean, TV Hollywood shows life. and movies. Yeah. So he just started taking care of me in that way. And my whole outer image, along with I was changing from the inside, my whole outer image changed. And then he started taking me traveling. And wow. I got to experience like, so many things that I wouldn't have. Like before. you had access to a whole new world. Through, oh, yeah. Through and this. just going to different shows or concerts and then going backstage and just hanging out with the celebrities because he was friends with them and and just being a part of that life that I knew, okay, I, I want more and I want to be an even better dancer. I want to be even a better mother. I want this for my children. Like it just ended up being this way of life that I would get to a ceiling, maybe get a little stagnant. I'd, I'd say, what do I got to do to break the ceiling, mm-hmm. get to another level, get to another level. And I've just continued to climb. To and elevate. through this um, group of friends that I've met, I have the most beautiful, most talented friends. They're so intelligent, whether they're men or women. And then now currently, um, you know, have been able to get close to a friend of mine who's a pro athlete, mm-hmm. and he's been a great example to my boys. And, you know, these guys have been mentors in a way. You know, yeah. this this guy, this producer, he was the first guy to give my son, my youngest, a guitar. And wow. it was a Taylor GS Mini. And he got it from the guitar player for, like, David Bowie and Madonna, you know. So he... Now my son has a music career and is in oh, wow. um, yeah, one of the top art schools in America yeah. with a guitar major. Yeah. And then, um, wow. you know, this other guy got him an internship at a music studio. That's amazing. And my oldest son, he got into sneakers yeah. and collecting all the Jordans and all that kind of stuff through this boyfriend that I had because – the first date he ever took us on as a family was NBA All Star oh, wow. in LA, and got my deal. got my kids like eleventh row. He took you and your sons on, yeah. on the first date. Yeah, got so us he, our own hotel room. He stayed in a different hotel room. Um, got us eleventh row seats wow. to NBA All Star, but because he was in this whole scene, we were going to all the parties and yeah. events. We were going to the Adidas store, literally filling bags of free clothes. Like, what the hell? So then he's introducing my kids to all these basketball players. Oh and God. these basketball players are giving them boxes of brand new shoes and signing them. What a them. cool experience. So that's where like the whole sneaker thing really yeah. started. Well, and your son's actually making, he's making a career Yeah, because he's been flipping shoes and selling them since he was 14. Yeah. Yeah. So then now he works at a sneaker store. He works on the strip in Las Vegas. That's so and, cool. You know, it's just been he's going to school the whole time. Is thing, it at the so. fashion show mall? Is that where he works? I won't say where it is. Okay. But but it's yeah. on the, it's on the strip. Yeah. He's killing it, guys. He figured out how to be an entrepreneur through your contact, through your boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. And he literally doesn't need he's going to make enough money that he doesn't need like a career. He's he's already good. Well, I mean, he wants to be an architect. Oh. Yeah. That's so good. I am pushing for school because oh, that's, that's really good. important in our household is that But you've raised two one. little men. How old are they now? Yeah. Um, in June and July, they're turning 15 and 18. Yeah. So I'm at that cusp of yeah. You're, you they're know, probably almost... three more years with my youngest, but yeah, I'll never be Aww, done being their mom. Of course so. not. You've done it. Look what you did. Like you raised men without you know without Jeremy. So yeah. that's that's. And insane. people always ask like, do your kids know that you do this for a living? And I'm like, you know, I've been so honest with them and everybody in my life. Um, everyone on Instagram knows I am. Um, but my kids know what life was like before this job. Yeah. And it was tough. Yeah. Right. And there tough. were times where I remember I couldn't even afford to buy them a candy bar in line at the grocery store. Right. Yeah. So 
for me to start bringing home money and our whole lives changed, yeah, it's important that they know what I do. Yeah. And they've been really, really cool and understanding about it. But what makes it okay is those boundaries that we were talking about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And living a really positive, great life and you know, so you don't have, and you, you've established those boundaries. So you told me a little bit about like how you, you, along this process, meeting all these people, you, you started to develop boundaries. So you, you've elevated to a level where you know what your boundaries are and you create experience and an experience for someone, but you never cross boundaries that you're uncomfortable with. So, right. And not to say I haven't ever, Yeah. right. I mean, there's, there's been times where I've been single or I've met guys that I've been interested in that I would normally date in real life. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you just met him at work. So you're like, yeah. hi, but I you get, can take me home. but <laughs> I get guys that will text me because anytime I've made money from somebody, I put them in my work phone oh. and they get my work number. Okay. So if they ever come back to Vegas, why lose that contact right. when they leave? Yeah. If they're going to come back, they're going to remember me and I'm going to make more money from yes, them. Right. Of course. So they'll say, Hey, well, it was fun in the club, but you know, if I'm coming on such and such date, would you be willing to do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. And I just always text him and say, hey, I don't fuck for money. Yeah. Like, I just don't do that. Yeah. So um, they'll still ask me out all atmosphere. I'll get paid to go to the pools, the date yeah. pools, um, gamble, go to dinners, wow. whatever. And um, You're getting I can, paid to do the th- shit that all of us are doing in Vegas anyway. I get, I get paid <laughs> to show up and look pretty. Which yeah. is freaking amazing. But they want intelligent conversation. And, yeah. and you so know, they're kind of paying for access to a beautiful, strong woman. They're, they're getting, yeah. they're paying for interaction with you. And, and then people, guys laugh at me like, oh yeah, that's all they want. And it's like, no, actually there really are men that they still desire the hunt. Yeah. Right. The they still want to feel wanted, but they really don't want to cheat on their wives. Yeah. They don't want to feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. So. They enjoy the attention yeah. and they can have good, clean fun. Yeah. And you know what? If they want something else, they can go find – there's always going to be wow. another girl that's willing to. I'm just not, yeah. you know? That's, but, in, that's insane that you've been able to establish that. Like that you've been able to be like, these are the boundaries. Take it or leave it. This is who I am. This is what I'm worth. And yeah. this is what I'm not worth. So like yeah. I want people to understand that is that people make such drastic like uh, – ideologies about what it is to be a dancer like they already make assume that you're this type of person you don't you don't you know love monogamy you don't love you know marriage you don't like they make all these assumptions and it's so interesting to hear you say that and in fact you you said one of your friends called you the most monogamous stripper that ever existed (laughs) was because I do I I always tend to be in relationships and um I think that throughout all the men that I meet, when one relationship ends, mm-hmm. there's kind of like there's a window. <laughs> there's somebody waiting. There yeah. is, and whether I am aware of that or not, yeah, there's someone waiting. Well, I mean, of course. And as soon as someone hears that I'm single again, I'm getting all these Attention. offers. Hey, yeah. let's go on this private jet. Let's do here. Come, come with me here. So, wow. You know, I it's, want to go on a private jet. It's Dang. kind of easy to start dating again. Yeah, if that makes sense. And are you starting to date again? <laughs> Everyone wants to know. I would if say Whitney Nunes is available on the market. I would say um, I just slipped out of something recently, okay. but um, right now I am dating for business, mm-hmm. and that means atmospheric. Okay. That's what I'm. I'm only okay with at yeah. the moment is yeah. getting paid to go somewhere when and have nice meals. The pool season is it's right kinda- around the corner. <laughs> um, 
you know, if you want to take me to a concert, different things, but it's at a high price and, right. and these high rollers or whatever are, are paying that. So don't come into town thinking you could pay me $700 and I'll go out with you. <laughs> She knows you know? her worth, men. And what I do is when when people text me because they know what I do, they'll go, "Hey, I'm coming into town. You know, would you hang out with me?" And then I go, "I'm I'm putting you to the test right now. Name your price because wow. I know I know what my price the is. Price but is I want to figure out wow. what your price is. And as soon as they say the number, I'm like, block. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> wow, you're out. She's, she I, a, your number she said it all. Your number said it all. Where you're at in life, what you're willing to pay, what you think of me. No, the answer is no. That's amazing. So, I love that. Blocked, yeah, but, deleted. Yeah. So no, right now I'm just wanting to work on myself yeah. even more. That's There's good. always the next level. Yeah. And no, I think you're killing um, it. You're leveling up. And it was very interesting to hear the inside scoop on what it is to be a dancer stripper. I know you didn't want to use that word originally, but it's fine. I love it is how what it is. I love how open you are about it and you're and how you elevated your whole life. You you came out of such a struggle and such a depth of despair with you and your sons. And I'm proud to be your friend i'm proud to have thank you on my you. show and i can't wait to see what you know you do next with your life we'll have you back on the yeah. show for sure because yeah. we have a lot of other interesting well, things to talk about dancing the chapter will be ending oh. eventually so okay. i am already in the works of planning something else but mm -hmm. that can be you know yeah. the next episode let's do it so. well thank you for coming on the show whitney i love you thank so much. you so much i love you i'm so happy to be here i know thank it's you. been amazing thank you guys yeah. for tuning in We'll see you guys later.